0: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot
1: com slash for the love. When I look at the young people today and I see that young trans people kids as young as like three and four years old know who they are and people believe them, this seems to me like such a huge miracle of a shift that could happen in 25 years that I I, I just, we don't even remember a time when young people didn't know who they were.
0: Hey everybody, it's Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I'm so happy to be your host and I'm absolutely thrilled you are here today of all days and you're going to be too because right now we are in a series called for the love of the elephant in the room because what we wanted you to know when you saw the name of the series is that we are talking here about things that have either historically and or currently make us uncomfortable maybe some more than others we are talking about race and racism, we're talking about menopause, grief, just to name a few, things that are difficult to talk about, that are challenging to talk about. But guess what? We are not holding back here. I think you know this show and you certainly know me enough to know that when something is hard, I tend to steer into the curve. This needs to be talked about. And we hope that you take our word for it, that this series is gonna give us a lot to think about and it's worth our time and it's even worth our discomfort. So I know for me, there were just some things that we simply did not talk about growing up. Either it was completely invisible and neglected and sort of left out of the conversation, or when it did find its way into discourse, it was with disdain. It was with judgment, even hatred. And so what now? Like, I, you know, I ask myself, I've been handed whatever influence I have, whatever this is, it's what I have. It's what I have to spend. It's what I have to use. And it's what I have to offer. So, hence this series. So, let's dive in to what we're chatting about today in this series. We're talking about the LGBTQ plus community. Now, you know my history here. And here's what I want you to know. Our brothers and sisters and siblings and friends in this community, they need us to tune in here. They need us to listen. Listen. They need us to learn and they need us. They need us to be absolutely unequivocal, fierce allies for them. You know that I have done a lot of personal work around this, just in my own life, in my own family. You know that, you know, obviously that my daughter, Sydney is gay and, you know, we've had her on the show here when she got to tell her story in her own words. She is my beloved. And I love this about her. I love that she is queer. I love this, that this is how she is made. It's made her special in the world. I wouldn't change one molecule of her. She's my beloved. And I owe it to Sydney and I owe it to all the Sydneys to continue to talk about something that has historically brought so much trauma and so much rejection, but things are changing. They are. They're changing in real time as we are watching, and. Oh, you guys, today is so good. It is so good that I could scream. You know who's gonna lead us in today's conversation? A true trailblazer, true, a true pioneer. I cannot wait to introduce you all to Celeste Lucene. Now, if you don't know, Celeste is one of the founders of the Trevor Project and if that is also new to you the Trevor project is at its conception an unprecedented incredible lifeline for young people who identify as lgbtq plus or questioning they provide a ton of things but kind of central to their work is they provide a free helpline and all the resources wrapped around it to show young people in the queer community they are loved they are needed in this world they are supported this life that's worth living it is truly an organization that needs to be shouted about from every rooftop and celeste was one of the the brave organizers that made this possible. So we are talking all about that. Celeste's journey through life as a queer person, their new venture, what they see in the world right now, what we can learn, what we need to be paying attention to, the Future Perfect program, which we'll discuss. And it is, I loved every word of my conversation today with Celeste. I know a lot of you listen to the show. You listen to it just in your, you know. AirPods. But I want you to know that we also video record every single interview and we upload it over on my YouTube channel. And this is a good one to watch because Celeste is wonderful. Everything, body language, facial expressions, this real magnetic electric smile. Celeste is just genuine to their core. And I knew that right away. And this is a beautiful conversation. It is challenging It is important. And so I'm hoping this is one that you're going to share, that you're going to listen to more than once, that you're going to send to the people around you that you are in conversation with, that you were in dialogue with. And so lucky me, I am so pleased to share this conversation with you with the absolutely wonderful Celeste listening. Celeste, I'm really honored and I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. And I have been watching you for a long time and your work is so meaningful. So thank you for saying yes to this little space and coming into my community. We're so
1: thankful. Well, you know, I, I really said this before, but I'll say it again, which is that we're doing the same work, which is really just, we're just spreading the love. Yeah. right. Spreading the love and making it as visible and voluble as we can possibly make it in this world.
0: You know, it's in a world right now that feels so complicated and it feels so difficult and challenging. It's a pretty simple solution. I mean, love is not complicated. It's genuinely powerful. It does change lives. It can change cultures and communities, and I believe in it too. I'm going to go to the grave swinging for this one, unwilling to imagine a lesser alternative. And so, okay, before you and I kind of get in here to all of this incredible conversation, I've already told my listeners a little bit about you and who you are, but would you mind, just for everyone who's new to you, can you sort of high level for us who you are, and what it is you do, and a little bit of just kind of the the arc, the overall arc of your story.
1: Sure. You know, I really consider myself a storyteller. That's really what I am. And I work in many different fields. And, you know, for me, the real, the story really began about 30 years ago. I was an actor and a writer, and I would create these solo shows. And then do them off-Broadway, and then travel around the United States doing them in little theaters. And and I did a show called Word of Mouth. And in that show, there was a small story of a boy, a 13-year-old boy named Trevor, which was really my story of what happened to me when I was a, a young person. And I was inspired to write the story of Trevor because I had heard on the radio that you know, homosexuality was responsible for so much suicide and, you know, three to four times more likely homosexuals, you know, gay and lesbian young people were in terms of attempting suicide. And I just thought that that was crazy. I just thought it was insane that nobody was paying attention to it. Hmm. So I talked to all of my friends, I t- looked in my old journals, and I wrote this story, and I performed it on stage. It then was made into a, a short film directed by Peggy Reisky and produced by Randy Stone, and it won an Academy Award, which was like such a huge shock to me. To all of us, yes. But the moment was right for that story to go out into the world. And when uh, two years later, when we made a- arrangements with HBO to put it on television, we thought it would be a good idea to put a telephone number at the end of the film, so that young people who identified with the character of Trevor would call, have some place to call. And there was no. Suicide Prevention Lifeline, specifically for gay and lesbian young people. So we created it. Randy, Peggy, and I created the Trevor Project in three months. And on the first night that the film was aired on HBO, over 1,500 young people called the line.
0: Wow. which Wow.
1: Which we couldn't handle, but it was enough of an indication that the need was out there. And really, that began for me... An understanding of how powerful stories can be. That 10-minute story that I told on stage, which was made into a 16-minute film, was the catalyst for such a huge change, not only in the lives of these individual young people who were able to have their lives saved by that story, but in the culture, it sort of changed the idea that I think before that film... There really was no idea that young people, or that what were, people weren't talking about, the fact that young people knew who they were, right? What they, year was
0: this, so we can like pin this on the timeline?
1: Well, the the film won the Academy Award in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. So in nineteen ninety eight, when the Trevor Project was started, Ellen DeGeneres had just come out. That's right. And- she did the wraparound presentation for the film on HBO so we knew it was going to be a huge deal but sure. only in those three years the change had happened people were willing to believe or some of us you know were willing to believe in, the, in our own experience that we knew that we were we knew who we were when we were young of course and now when I look at the young people today and I see that you know young trans people kids as young as like three and four years old know who they are and people believe them this seems to me like such a huge miracle of a shift that could happen in 25 years that I I just we don't even remember a time when Mm. young people didn't know who they were
0: yeah I remember that section of time when it was such a lightning rod and it was unfamiliar. And of course, at that point, there was virtually no representation anywhere. So we didn't have any common language. We didn't have even any of our leaders sort of leading the way and setting a wide table for the whole community and and showing us what a healthy perspective here looks like. You were a pioneer at a really important time, and I just cannot help it. I'm just Spiritual enough to just believe that that was ordained and meant to be that at that time when you were really fighting an uphill battle and you were kind of a lone voice in the wilderness with just a handful of people with you, that your level of tenacity and courage was required. And not a lot of people would have done it or could have done it. I think that you're special and you are gifted for the task.
1: You know, it's also anger it was also yeah. you know at the time i was living in new york city i was living through the aids crisis and That's i was right. watching my friends die yeah people all around me in the entertainment industry and just people i knew everyone was dying and it seemed insane to me that there was this whole generation of gay men who were dying and then there was this other generation coming up who were opting for suicide And nobody was paying attention to what were two epidemics really. And it just, it made me a little crazy. And I thought the only thing that I could do was to be honest about my own story.
0: I want to talk to you about that if you're comfortable with it, because I'd like to go back a little bit before you, you know, became such a a practitioner and an activist inside this level of societal change, because, I mean, as clearly known and as you have described, even the acknowledgement, much less the validation, much less the cherishing of the LGBTQ community was just not, this was, wasn't was where we were. It wasn't commonly accepted. This wasn't what we saw. It wasn't what we heard. And so I, I wonder if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about your personal experience as a young LGBTQ person At that time, it's not the same as the kids who are coming out and proud right now in sixth grade, right? And how that impacted you. And I wonder if you can walk us through what it felt like for you internally and what the like battle in your head was and where were you turning for support or mentorship or even like a role model. I just, I'm trying to imagine the the courage that it took to kind of survive that landscape is kind of otherworldly
1: and I honor it. Well, you know, it was very much of this world, I have to say, and it, it it was it was tough, you know? And I think it was tough for everybody who grew up in a society and that basically wanted to, you to disappear or wanted you dead or just not visible. And also to be somebody like me who really wanted to be visible. I just wanted to share my gifts with the world and I had to keep a part of me on the down low, right? But even as a young person, I think when I became aware of what queerness was in the way that I came to understand it, I came to understand it at a time when I, with it came the understanding that it was considered a crime, also a mental disease, and it was a sin. And that's what I grew up with. Yeah. And I have to say that though I didn't go around telling people it, I thought it was crazy, because they were talking about the way that I loved. Yeah, they were talking about the way that I naturally loved the world and That's and right. other people, and it was so in inextricably a part of who I was that I thought, okay, either I'm really crazy, or the or the whole world is nuts, and That's right. which is not to say that I escaped. You know, the, the trauma of, you know, not being accepted and living my life invisibly and, you know, knowing that people wanted me disappeared or dead. Like, you just have to figure out how to live with that. But something deep inside me told me that this was crazy. And what I came to later understand was that I, I was living in the future and mm-hmm. a future that hadn't yet arrived. And I think one of the things that's helped me so much in my life is to be able to reach back to a younger generation and understand that they now are living in a future that hasn't yet arrived and that they're uncomfortable in the world they live in, especially this, this current generation of, of young queer people. They, like They're living in a world that just hasn't arrived yet. And so this world that they're living in feels a little like not quite a right good fit, you know, and there's so much work to be done. But when I look at them, I think to myself, never in a million years could I have imagined those young people out and proud and being so connected to one another, being connected to their history also as queer people, to understand that people came before them, that's a brand new thing that I think this generation You're right. has, that no other generation has had of queer people have, have really had at hand, right? So, you know, not to stray too far from my own experience, but my own experience has helped me live the pain and difficulty I experienced as a marginalized person an invisibilized person and, and a despised person, quite frankly, has helped me align myself with the people who are in our culture marginalized and despised and made invisible. I know that that is where my superpower is in, the, in those parts that the world tried to make invisible. And so I know that the people who are being made invisible and despised, they're our collective superpower, right? Like That's right. And it's love that's going to bring them in. And it's love that's going to bring those parts of myself out, right? So my job is to tell stories and to help other people tell those stories that might be a little too difficult to tell. I never really associated myself with the character of Trevor when I first wrote it and when we started the Trevor Project, because I didn't want people to associate the character with me. I wanted them to associate the character of Trevor with themselves so that they would see in that story, their own experience, not mine. And now so much time has gone by. Nobody even knows that the Trevor Project, which is the largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention for LGBT questioning young people, was started not by a sad story of a boy named Trevor who was now dead, but was in fact started because of a story of a fabulous young queer who survived. And that's, that's really important. It's a triumph story. It's a victory story. And It changed the story of queer youth in this country and, you know, hopefully further by saying that when you think of queer youth, you don't have to necessarily think suicide. You can think about Trevor and you can think that there's an alternative to suicide, right, which is that there's somebody on the end of that telephone line or somebody on the other side of that chat or somebody to receive your text who is going to see you through this difficult moment.
0: Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Go to asteproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. I'd love to hear you talk more about the... Trevor project at this point. And so now, of course, this has developed into a national known organization and the best of its kind. Can you talk more about what it is that you do? What is the project? What does it look like? What are the the tendrils of it? What are the resources inside of it? And just what's been your experience to watch that baby grow up into truly a lifeline for? Millions? Is that okay to say? Millions of people?
1: I would would say so. And I, I would start by saying it's such a miracle. It's such a miracle, really. And by miracle, I don't mean it just like poof happened. I mean that it was the effect of so many causes that people made because the time was right to change that story in the world about queer youth. It was like so many people contributed to that changing of that story. So, you know, I am really cognizant of that. And I just want to start by, you know, before we talk about all the services and everything to just say, when I travel around the country and a young person or a person who's 35 years old or comes up to me and says, thank you, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't called that telephone line, if I hadn't made that move to send that text or that chat. When you see a person standing in front of you who would not, have, would not be here if it had not been for that, That's
0: so powerful.
1: You just think like, okay, I'm good. I'm good, you're good. That's like right. we, got, we both got through this. That's it. Now let's see what else we can do in terms of keeping everybody else safe, seen, and celebrated. So I just want to start with that because you know the the organization is so beautifully run. Amit Paley, who has been the CEO of the Trevor Project, has done such a remarkable job in the past you know five years of leading the organization into this new phase that it's in. And, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of of in the past few years is that Trevor has become also the leading voice in terms of research. Because that's new frontier, right? I mean, you're plowing up new ground. Yeah, I think that there were smaller studies and, you know, but they've really done it every year now for the past five years. And their, their findings are the, you know, the, the leading information about LGBT youth. And, it, and it's right that, it's, that they are that, right? And, and the services that they provide, of course, the Lifeline has been around for 23 years. And that is somebody on the end, other end of a telephone line taking your call, listening to you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a miraculous thing. I always say that listening is the secret language of love. And the Trevor Project is in the love business, basically, because what they do is those counselors, you know, there are 750 volunteers around the country who answer the chats, who are on chats with young people all the time, who answer the texts and who answer the telephones. And, you know, I was on the board of the Trevor Project raising money and you know, guiding the organization for 15 years, and then I decided that it was time for me to make some room for other people who were better at raising money. Sure. And and, uh, and also the the organization was in a place where it was like, okay, you're 15 now. Absolutely. Yes. Now you have to get let's a get job. Some fresh blood in here. Yeah. But I still wanted to be involved with the Trevor Project. So I became a lifeline counselor. And okay. I did that for uh-huh. I did that for five years. And that was really an incredible education, because up until then, I didn't really, really understand what the Trevor Project did. Ah, uh, Interesting. I understood it in theory, but I didn't understand what it felt like to be talking to a young person who was in crisis. Wow. And it really changed my life. It really changed the direction of my life. And after that five years of working as a lifeline counselor, I I started to hear something that I'd never heard before. And that was with this current generation of young people, that many of them were doing really well, that they were beginning to have the support of one another. I began to see what it looked like for young people to have the love of a parent or a teacher or a guidance counselor to have the to have mentors to have the internet and a community that they could drop into and to see themselves on television
0: and in movies and in commercials and that matters
1: yeah and though there were still there is still as we know a crisis in terms of young people and their suicidal ideation and, and just the difficulty of being an adolescent, I began to see something that I'd never seen before with these young people, a social justice component that I'd never seen, a kind of confidence in themselves that I thought, okay, this is new. Yeah. And I decided that I was going to go and travel around the country And go into schools and and listen to them in in GSAs and LGBT centers and to see if it was happening every place. Not just, you know, fancy cities and and blue states, but if it was happening in, you know, Arkansas and Alabama and Indiana. And I called my dear friend who was 30 years younger than I was. Ryan Amador. He's a remarkably talented singer songwriter. And I said, Come with me and let's see if we can see if this is happening everywhere, see if we can document this somehow. And so we started traveling around. We went to places like South Carolina and Arkansas, Illinois, Washington State, California, going into high school, staying there for a week. And doing these true storytelling, getting them to tell their stories and also getting these young people to write songs about their experience. And it was so amazing what I learned. And one of the things that I learned was there is a revolution happening. That's right. And they are so lit with this sense of themselves and their authenticity That, you know, if you dare yourself to be around it, you yourself will be changed. And they weren't all on their phones. They weren't all, you know, bored and apathetic. And, you know, they were deeply engaged. Sure. And excited about what was happening in their world. And, of course, you know, trepidatious about the state of the world, as we all are. But they weren't defeated in a way that I I had seen so many young queer people have been in the past. You know, they were getting the support and the love. And because of that, they were just more themselves. Of course. So we did that for three years. We traveled around the country, really gathering information, giving them the space and the encouragement to kind of beat a path from their insides to the outside world through storytelling and songwriting. And it, it just, it, it blew us away. And then COVID happened and we moved everything online. We called ourselves the Future Perfect Project because of this idea that I had about being, when I was 15, you know, I was living in a future that hadn't arrived. They're living in the future that hasn't arrived. And it's a better future for us That's all. That's
0: right. For us uh, all. Yes, undoubtedly.
1: So we moved everything online during COVID, and suddenly we were meeting with young people in their bedrooms two, three times a week. Instead of visiting them once a year and never seeing them again, we began to have a group of young people that we met with and gave them the space and the encouragement to create art. We introduced them to other queer artists. We had deep dive discussions about things that were going on in the world for the past year and a half. And we also began to make content allowing them to express themselves through animations, through uh, albums that we released of their original songs, you know, through Instagram. We just became the means by which they could amplify their stories and their voices. And kind of turn the world on to the what we had been seeing for the past few years. And let people know, like, wow, this is a this is a new thing that's happening. And attention must be paid. It must and it will be. I love this for a
0: million reasons. Here's the first one is I like how you said this is actually good for all of us. You are right, because queer people are more than just queer. They're brilliant artists. They're innovative thinkers. They're incredible partners and spouses and parents, and they have brilliance to unleash on the world. And so for me to hear you able to highlight all of who they are, not just this one piece of them, you know, that is, of course, central and precious and valuable and in need of your work, but all of them like, and here's the song they wrote, right. And here's the poem they wrote. And like, here are these, this young generation of creatives rising up and we're all going to be better for it. Everyone. I mean, that rising tide is going to lift every
1: boat in this Harbor. Yes. And we know that when LGBT youth are safe, seen and celebrated, everybody does well. Of course. And everybody across the board does well. Everyone else is cel- safe, seen and celebrated. That's and, right. You know, I, I think one of the things we've heard again and again from the young people we work with is that with all due respect to people like myself, they are tired of trauma drama. Like, I know, you
0: know what you're saying right now.
1: Can you parse
0: that out? Because, you know, my 21 year old daughter is queer and she has explained this to me because, you know, as you know, she's having none of it. They're 21. They're who they are. They have this baked in community. It is they are they are beautifully free in their lives. And so she has explained this to me. And I would love to hear you talk about that a little bit.
1: You know I did this event recently at an arts organization and I they asked me to speak about the work that I'm doing with the Future Perfect project and I said okay that's great but let's bring the young people and have them tell you what they see and what they hear so you know they came and you know they were amazing as you know given the stage they of course they were they were asked what do you want to see in the arts like, what are you not seeing about your lives? And like, how do you want yourself to be represented? And they all said, again, leaned forward and looked at me and said, with all due respect to your past, we want to see ourselves represented in different ways, like as, yeah. as a whole person. And yes, also in, in life. life. And not defined by this identity as a trauma, but identified as a person who is authentically themselves having fun enjoying their life and yes some difficulties but not defined by those difficulties Absolutely
0: I did not understand and now that I know that I see that now that I have my daughter has explained how that feels to always when you are represented in a movie which the greater community often looks at as a victory it's still that same story of something's wrong with this kid They're going to experience a lot of rejection and trauma. And then in the end, you know, yay for gay. And so that's tired. Like that's tired. And there's more to it than that. And also I think,
1: you know, what we can do is to create enough room for all the stories to be told. Yeah. And we're not edging out those stories of trauma, but that they can actually fill in the, The the puzzle piece of what it looks like all over the place, like of course, different communities in different experiences of being queer. But we have to create enough room so that there every story can be. That's right. Many. That's what it is.
0: It's interesting when I hear you talk, Celeste, because, and you kind of mentioned this earlier. You sort of touched on this, but I hear really similar responses and reactions and and hopes like from other marginalized communities like my my friends in the black community my friends of color are saying kind of the same thing like we're a little bit sick of black trauma how about a little black joy how about a little black brilliance you know and so i look forward to that being the next chapter a more well-rounded world where these are not such the north star identifying elements of a a person's life or of an entire community that we get to move on to the goods. You know, we get to move on to why we all exist on this earth, which is to make it more beautiful to love one another. Well.
1: And I think it's one of the things that we touched on before, which is, I think it's one of the reasons why people never ask who was Trevor.
0: Ah, interesting. They're
1: terrified that they're gonna hear <laughs> a traumatic story of a kid who died, right? They're of just sure. right? They're just terrified.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Listen, we, we need to bring Trevor back then. Like we, here? <laughs> we Trevor's just do. I want to also affirm as we start to wrap it up, that change is happening and it is happening fast. And it is happening rapidly. I mean, I can just tell you, this is anecdotal, of course, but it's just out of my own family where I have a 21-year-old. So she's a senior in college. And and to your point, as you took the project in the road and went to more remote locations and places in the deep South and red states, well, we live in Texas. Granted, we're Austin adjacent. So we're a little blue county here in the state, but we, my family lives just South of it in a suburb that is decidedly conservative and has been forever, for just ever the deepest roots of kind of honestly stereotypical Texas. And so what do I do? I put my queer and my black kids in the school district, but what I can tell you that even from the experience of my daughter, Sydney, who's four years away from it. And then I have two still in, I've got a senior and I have a sophomore in that in the last four years. It's changed. It has changed. My, my younger kids, peers, and, and classmates are living in more freedom than my daughter just four years ago. They're at prom together and all these like country cowboy boys are just like, that's just their friends. It's just their friends. It's, they think we're boring for, with all this drama. Like this is just who they all are. Everybody, get over. Like, let's move on to something. And so, it's exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, and I, as I always tell our young people is, you know, just like I could not imagine this current generation of young people in my wildest dreams. I bet there's something coming that yes. that they cannot imagine. That is so beyond their imagination. Yeah, and so inspiring, really, what's possible with the human species, right? And what I love about queer youth is that it is their love that is leading them to this new thing. That's right. It's really their love for one another, their love for themselves, that's actually creating the change.
0: That's good. It may be fueled by a little bit of fury. It may be fueled by a little bit of trauma, but it is a love it is a love-led space.
1: I just want to end with two things or Okay, I just want to introduce two ideas. Okay, let's hear it. We did a workshop and we had we as we often do with the Future Perfect project and we had young people write a letter to the young people of the future. And one of the participants wrote this line. Your freedom was our invention. Your happiness was our intention you can see i have goosebumps
0: i have chills
1: i I made a little needle a little cross stitch yes (laughs) so good right
0: oh so good
1: and the other thing i want to just end with is this little thing here so we asked them to give us a recipe for evolution like how does the world evolve and we put them into groups and you know we had groups of like 5 or 6 of them and then they came back with their recipe and this was one of the groups this is the recipe for evolution a willingness to change realize your needs and tend to them admit you can't do it alone ask for help be willing to start over and the last one Journey to self love.
0: These sound like the adults in the room. Like, just not only hand them the mic, lead on. (laughs) Like, let us just follow you, you
1: guys. What little step aside? And really, it's about giving them the space and and the encouragement, and also really believing in them. And if I were to say one thing, which is really which I really, I said earlier, which is to listen to these young people and not to listen for what you expect them to say, but to really give them the opportunity to speak from from their heart, right? And listen with your love ears.
0: Yes, with your love
1: ears. And then you're going to hear the future. You'll hear hear what the future sounds like. It's exciting.
0: And they're standing on your shoulders, Celeste. And I oh, know you know, I know that. What
1: that is? I was wondering what that was on my shoulders. <laughs> it's heavy.
0: It's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of them.
1: <laughs> I thought they were wings. I thought they were wings. I love talking to you. I love Me what too. you're doing in the world, and I love yeah. what you're doing with your family. Thank you. I can't wait to meet you someday in real time, Me too. in real space, and that's going to happen
0: when the world comes back.
1: If you ever want us to come to your school or your town. Just let me know.
0: Thank you. And let me just say reciprocally, I just in every way want to support your work in every way. I want to amplify your voice. I want to amplify your work. I want to hold that banner high so that more kids know where to go when they need you and they can move into their own spaces of freedom. And so I'm here too. So just outside of Austin, just south in the redneck zone. You know where to find
1: me. I'm going to come. And I just remembered: okay. Trevor is opening as a musical off Broadway in New York City in November. Ooh. So it's having a whole new life as a musical, which is. Really That's exciting. Yeah, it's really.
0: Okay. Thank you for being on the show, Celeste. I'm honored and delighted to know you and so i make people my friends when i want to and that's my prerogative and i want you to know that i'm making you my friend i already have your cell number it's in Mm -hmm. our correspondence you can't get away (laughs) nice try (laughs) (laughs) cheering you on cheering you on in every way bye thank you everybody special, right? Like special, encouraging, like loving, joyful. I feel grateful today that I got to have this conversation, that I got to sit across from Celeste and learn from them and honor their work. I mean, we're spanning decades at this point So whatever it is that we see in terms of progress right now in the world was not the case at the beginning of Celeste's story. And so, I mean, just what a, what a champion. If you go to jinhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, I will have this entire episode like queued up for you. I'll have the show notes. And then probably more importantly, I'll have everything Celeste related, social media handles Obviously, the front door to the Trevor Project, the Future Perfect Program, everything. This is an incredible resource. So I really want you, I want this on your radar. And I want you to have spent a little bit of time at least perusing what it is that Celeste does in the world so that you can have it in your hip pocket as your own personal resource, either for yourself, for somebody that you love, for your community, all of it. Thank you for listening and for staying engaged. Thank you for enduring your own discomfort in this series, wherever it may rise for you and just being committed to listening and to being a learner. That that's a big deal and it matters. And we're going to keep bringing it to you in this incredible series. So guys don't miss next week. Come on back. We're like, we're, we're staring in to the curve, to these conversations that are sometimes hard, but matter immensely. So you guys will see you next week.